This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grinded Podcast. Today we're going to start Matthew chapter 27. And in the words of a newfound glory song, it's all downhill from here. Judas has betrayed Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with a kiss. Jesus has been arrested by the militia that come along with Judas. He's been handed over to the religious leaders who give them a joke of a trial. They've accused him of blasphemy for years, uh, but now they've got him, see? They, 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 they've accused him of blasphemy. They're spitting in his face. They're slapping him around. They're challenging him to prophesy about who was actually the one hitting him. And In, in other words, their, their ego is like out to here. They're rich and powerful, and they didn't want some bum-looking dude who claims to be from God showing them up. I mean, Jesus has showed them up over and over again because they've tried to challenge him for three to three and a half years. And he's just exposed them and their their hearts and how wicked these men are. He has exposed them to the crowds and to the people that they are supposed to be ministering to. And they, they don't like Jesus. They hate him and they, they want him gone. And now they are getting their chance. And so now they're kind of puffed up in the chest, if you will. And their heads are sw- swollen out to here with their egos. And they're, they're, they're saying this to Jesus, basically. They're saying, look who is in authority now, big fella. We got you. We got you right where we want you, and that is dead. We want you out of here. And, and matter of fact, they're, they're so ecstatic. They actually go to their homes, get some sleep, and then they come back and meet again the next day. Matter of fact, we read that in Matthew 27, 1 and 2, where it says, <clears throat> Very early in the morning, the leading priests and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. I mean, they've been waiting for this day for three years, or over three years. And, and basically, they're, they're turning backwards flips right now. They're so excited. Their they're, they're smiles on their faces are so ginormous. They're grinning from ear to ear because they think they're doing God a favor, and they think that they're getting rid of this blasphemer. And yet, they are the ones who are supposed to be godly. They're the ones who are supposed to be expecting the Messiah and pointing people to Jesus and showing the example of God to the people. And yet here they are about to commit murder, as they call it, with their own mouths. In verse 2 it says, they, Matthew says, Then they bound him, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Well, why would they send him to, to uh, Pilate, the Roman governor? Because they couldn't kill Jesus themselves under the law. They couldn't do it. Um, and so they they sent him to the Romans so the Romans would do their dirty work. And see, they, they could say, hey, our hands are clean. So as we're going to see, Pilate knew exactly why they wanted to kill Jesus. Pilate knew exactly why these religious leaders, the chief priests and the leading priests, why they wanted Jesus dead. And that was because of envy. Envy. And that, that, that's why they had to get rid of him. And if you watch a lot of movies, th- th- this, this chapter, it, it shifts focus like it does in, in a movie. The, the different scenes just keep 
pop the they keep popping up the focus goes from this scene to this scene to this scene and so matthew is going to shift the focus now to judas the one who sold jesus for 30 pieces of silver and betrayed him one of his hand-picked disciples one of those disciples that was filled with the holy spirit and given the authority and the power to go into villages and into homes and to preach the message that the kingdom of god is here and he could work miracles he could cast out demons it's that judas who has sold jesus for 30 pieces of silver and matthew writes this when judas who had betrayed him realized that jesus had been condemned to die he was filled with remorse. I don't. I don't think he realized that Jesus was going to be sentenced to die. I think they were. I think Judas just thought that they were going to rough him up a little bit, maybe, or, or throw him in jail. But when Judas realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. He was sorry that he did it. He 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 is filled with remorse, and so. Matthew says he takes the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priest and the elders, and he claims, I have sinned, for I have betrayed an innocent man. And listen to what they say. Because he's trying to get the money back, and he's trying to say, let that man go because he's innocent. I, I've done wrong. I messed up here. I'm, I'm, I'm repenting. I, I, I'm giving you back the money. Please let, let this man go because he's innocent. I'm the one who is guilty because I betrayed this innocent man. And listen to how they respond. What do we care? They retorted. That's your problem, Judas. And then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and he went out. And here's the sad part of this story. Judas hanged himself. And this is why I say that I don't believe that Judas knew that Jesus was going to be killed because I think he thought that they were just going to put him in jail. But the, the religious leaders didn't want Jesus in jail. They didn't want to just shut Jesus up. They wanted to shut him down. They wanted to get rid of him. And Judas was filled with, uh, as Matthew says, Judas was filled with remorse, which shows us that he actually had a heart, that he actually had feelings. He even admitted to the leading priest that he had sinned and that he had betrayed an innocent man. Now, when a person comes to a, a priest, like in Judas' situation back, back then in the Bible days, they would go to the priest. Or in modern times, like ours, we go to a preacher. Or we may go to a Christian brother or sister. Uh, and we confess our sin. We, we, you know, we, we say, I, I have done this terrible thing. I have sinned. I've fallen short. And this is what I've done. Well, they should forgive us. And accept us. Because when we James five sixteen says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We are to confess our sins, especially to God, and repent of them, right? And when we confess our sins, we are forgiven of our sins. We're washed by the blood of Jesus. Well, these religious leaders, who was the ones that really Judas should have went to for help, right? Instead of betraying Jesus, he, he should have went to these religious leaders to go for help. But 
he he goes to them for help, but they say, look, man, we don't care about this. This is your problem. This is not our problem. And they left. These men who should have been helping Judas deal with the situation, you know, and, and releasing Jesus, really, uh, he, he's, he's brought the money back. He said, I've betrayed an innocent man. But they don't care because they've gotten what they've been looking for for three years, a way to get rid of Jesus. And Judas has done their dirty work for them and delivered Jesus to them for 30 pieces of silver. And they say, this is not our problem, man. This is your problem. We don't care. We got what we wanted. So what, what could Judas, what could he have done? He, he went to the, the leaders and, and they rejected him because they've gotten what they wanted. And if you think about it, Judas could have went to the other 11 and asked for forgiveness. He could have said, look, I, I, he could have told them the same thing that he told these religious leaders and these chief priests and these leading priests. I, I messed up. I should never betray Jesus. I, I, I was greedy. I was wanting that money and I knew it was easy money. I'm sorry. I repent. What can we do about this situation? How can we, uh, how can we, um, how can we help Jesus? How can we rescue him, if you will? But he didn't do that. He didn't. He didn't go to the eleven. He he went to the chief priests and the leading priests, and they said, "You can go deal with that on your own. We don't care how you feel. We don't care about uh, your situation. You go deal with it on your own." And and the problem is. He dealt with it the wrong way because of, of, uh, instead of going to the 11 and, and repenting, he unfortunately goes out and hangs himself. He commits suicide. Now, I don't know if Judas had a wife. I don't know if he had kids, but I, I know this. He had a dad and a mom. He may have had some brothers and sisters. We don't know, but he had to have a a dad and a mom to even exist <clears throat> and I know this personally I know how suicide affects those that are left behind the loved ones that are left with the aftermath it's hard to deal with my, my dad committed suicide when I was three years old I'm 50 and I still with it I still deal with it a lot it, it comes up in my head all the time. I still ask questions. Why? Why did you do this? Why would you leave your wife and three children that were so young at the time? And, you know, wh what was so bad that you, you couldn't deal with? You know, and be here for your family and help raise your kids and leave me fatherless. And it's, I mean, there's just all kinds of questions. It, 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 the people, and I've done funerals of people who have committed suicide and left young children. It, it's very, very hard on those who are left behind. Uh, and that that never goes away ever. Those questions they they keep coming back over and over again, like a broken record. But unfortunately, people see suicide as the only way out, and, and, and it's so sad. It's just a, it's the easy thing to do. It's the easy way to get out of here, to get out of this situation. And 
for whatever reason they they can't they can't see a way out they can't see anything getting better whether it's mentally or, or they're just so uh engulfed in whatever situation they're facing and they don't want to face it anymore and so instead of going and getting help unfortunately they they just end their life and 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 let everybody else deal with the aftermath and like i said i know personally and it's very difficult when when a loved one commits suicide and i'm sure the disciples they loved their brother and they would have i guarantee you they would have they might have scolded him at first but they would have welcomed him jesus would have welcomed him and would have helped him but he didn't reach out for help he took care of the situation himself and and i I just want to say this before we move on if you or anybody that you know is even contemplating has even mentioned suicide please get help contact the suicide and crisis lifeline by texting or dialing 988 many people debate whether or not judas repented and if he's in heaven well obviously i don't know the answer to that Uh, he did show remorse he did try to give the money back now whether that's repentance i don't know but one thing I, i do not know is if he's in heaven or not that's not my call that's god's call and i guess whenever i take my last breath on this earth and when you take your last breath on this earth and we get to go to heaven because of the blood of jesus christ and our sins being forgiven we'll find out if he's there or not and i hope for his sake that he is um because what he's done here by handing jesus over and betraying jesus our sins are forgiven because jesus had to die on the cross it was god's will to be done um but i don't know if he's in heaven or not i I just i don't have a clue that's like i said that's in god's hands but what i'm concerned about is that i want you and myself to be in heaven someday so that we can find out if judas is there because if we're in heaven for eternity with jesus hey that's all that matters that's all that matters judas throws the money on the temple floor and he takes off to go hang himself and the only the only thing that the priests care about is what to do with the money they don't care about judas they don't care what's going to happen to judas they don't care if they ever see judas again all they care about is that money that money that 30 pieces of silver that judas tried to bring back to them he just throws it on the floor when he leaves and i know a lot of people that think that money is is what churches are all about right because there's a ton of churches if you think about it there's not a church that don't pass the offering plate every sunday that offering plate or whatever they take the offering in or if they got things hanging on the wall little boxes or whatever to put drop the money in as you leave they're going to mention the offering and they're going to ask for you to give every week but one thing they don't do every week they should do every week is communion they don't take time to take communion to partake of the bread and and the the fruit of the vine the juice that represents jesus's body and jesus's blood we just talked about that in previous podcasts uh, when he took that last passover meal 
with his disciples. And he said, this is the new covenant my, of my, with my blood and my, and my body. This bread, eat of it, drink of it. And we have examples in the book of Acts where they take communion every Sunday. The, the first day of the week, every Lord's Day, they, they took communion. They didn't take offerings. Paul was going around taking offerings, uh, asking churches to collect money so that he can take it to Jerusalem because there was a drought. So there was a special occasion that they were raising money for. But churches today, they have this backwards. They don't take communion, but yet they'll pass that offering plate and they don't miss an opportunity. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to pass that offering plate. And the bottom line is, it, it takes money to operate a church. Because, you know, especially if they have a building and uh, they have utilities, water, you know, stuff like that, garbage uh, that they have to pay. So it takes money to operate a church. If there's a preacher and a youth minister and a worship leader and, and, and people under them, there's salaries that have to be paid. So it does take money. There are expenses that have to be paid. But these religious leaders, especially in the Bible days, uh, these, these chief priests and, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they loved money. Loved it. They were very rich, very powerful. The Sanhedrin, they controlled everything that was going on around them. And if you, if you, if you just do an in-depth study on them, especially the Sanhedrin, um, and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the chief priest. Like I said, they're, they're very rich, they're powerful, and they had a lot of influence in and on the community. They loved money. In fact, they loved it so much that they, they didn't care how Judas was feeling. They didn't care what Judas was dealing with because they have, they have gotten what they wanted. They've gotten Jesus. They're going to have their opportunity now to get rid of him. And that's what they've wanted for three, three and a half years. They've tried to kill him over and over again. They've picked up stones several times to stone him. They even tried to push him off a cliff at one point. But now they got him. And they don't, they don't give a rip about Judas and what happens to Judas. But not only did these men get what they wanted in Jesus, they got their 30 pieces of silver back. They got their money back. This, this money that they have paid to Judas to betray Jesus to them it's laying there on the floor. So what are they going to do with it? Well, Matthew tells us the leading priest picked up the coins. And they said it wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury since it was payment for murder. See, they called it murder for them, themselves. It wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury since it's a payment for murder. It's a payment to murder Jesus. That's their own words. And so after some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field and they made it a cemetery for foreigners. And that's why the field is still called the field of blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah which says, they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. You know, it's just amazing to me how God orchestrated all of this, when you, there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah, about Jesus. And, and he fulfilled every one of them. And they just go hand in hand in sequence with, with, 
with with um, what's going on with uh, Jesus's death, and and it's it's just amazing and fascinating when you study these things and you see it in the Old Testament and you see it fulfilled in the New Testament. It's just amazing how God had just put. I mean, before man was ever made in Genesis chapter two, God had already had this plan. He had this set in motion. He orchestrated every bit of this thousands of years ago. It's amazing how God has done this. And so Jesus, he stands before Pilate and uh, the Roman governor, and he's questioned. And Matthew says this, Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him, and Jesus replied, You have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders, they must have heard what was going on and what was being said. When the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. He didn't say anything to them. Don't you hear all these charges they're bringing against you, Pilate demanded? But Jesus made no response to any of the charges. Anything those people said, Jesus kept his mouth shut. He would not give them the privilege. And so he, he just didn't say anything. Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. Pilate was fascinated by Jesus. He, he, he knows what's about to happen. And Jesus just stands there cool, calm, and collective and doesn't say a word. If, if, if I was Jesus, I'm running my trap. I, I, I'm making, I'm, I'm saying, look, I haven't done anything. These people have uh, betrayed me. They've been trying to kill me for years. They got into my inner circle and paid this guy 30 pieces of silver. I haven't done anything. I've, all, all I've been doing is helping people. I've been healing people. I've been teaching. And I, I've not been violent, not one single time. I've I just been giving hope to the world. That had been what I said. I would try to defend myself, but not Jesus. He, he just stands there and he takes it. And he doesn't say a word. He made no response. And Pilate is just like, whoa, this dude's something else. Matthew goes on to say it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd. Anyone they wanted, they could choose one person to release. This year there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked him, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas? Or Jesus, who is called the Messiah. You know, he was expecting him to say Jesus. I mean, look at what all Jesus has done. But this is where Matthew says that Pilate knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested arrested Jesus out of envy. They arrested him out of envy. They were jealous of him. They, They did not like Jesus. He was messing with their power and their prestige because people were following him instead of them, and they didn't like it. They wanted the people looking up to them. And you know, here's this homeless guy that claims to be from God, and, he's, and you know, to them, he's working magic, and so he's drawing a crowd to himself. And they they got to get rid of this guy, and now they got their chance. And Matthew says, just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message. Leave that innocent, Pilate's wife even knew, because she had a dream. Leave this innocent man alone, Pilate. He's innocent. He hasn't done anything wrong. How does she know that? Because she says, I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Now, I would give anything to know what she dreamed, but we don't have the details of the dream. But whatever it was, She suffered 
from that dream. And she comes out there and she says, leave that innocent man alone. Don't do anything to him. Meanwhile, Matthew says, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. Now, look who's in charge of the, of the crowd here or, or persuading the crowd. It's, the, it's the, basically the church leadership. They are literally persuading the crowd to be like them. To, they're persuading the crowd to, be, to join into their wickedness, their, their sinfulness, their sinful ways, uh, uh, their sinful way of thinking. You know, they're persuading the crowd to join in their, as they called it, murder. Because they're persuading the crowds to kill Jesus, who is God in the flesh. In fact, the crowd begins to yell. They're yelling at Pilate that Jesus is, now get this, they're yelling at Pilate that they need to, that he needs to crucify Jesus and that Jesus' blood be on them and their children. They're, they're crazy. They don't know what they're saying. They, they're, they're, and, you know, and it's so easy to be persuaded by the crowd. It happens all the time. You see it all the time in concerts. Um, I was watching a Green Day concert the other day, and, and, and Billy Joe was uh, it's from 1994, from their uh, Dookie album, and, and one of my favorite albums. And I was watching the, the, the live concert, and Billy Joe would, would just do something or say something, and the crowd, he would, say, he would tell the crowd to say something or, or to do something with their hands or whatever, and, and they would just do it, you know, just because he said to do it. it, it it's easy. To be persuaded by the crowd. And here's this crowd yelling at Pilate saying, Crucify him, crucify him, and his blood be on us and our children. And they, they, don't, they don't understand. They don't really know what they're saying. Matthew says, So the governor asked again, Which of these two do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back, Barabbas! And Pilate said, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? You know he's shocked. And they shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded. What crime has he done? See, his wife already said, don't have anything to do with this innocent man. Let him go. And Pilate, he's backed into a corner here. He thought they were going to release Jesus. But no, they chose Barabbas because they'd been persuaded by the religious leaders and the chief priests. And Pilate wants to know why. Why? What, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder crucify him. And Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and a riot was developing. And so he sent for a bowl of water and he washes his hands before the crowd so they can all see him. And he says, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. You remember what Peter said in Acts chapter 2 when he was preaching on the day of Pentecost. He told the Jews, he says, you have crucified the Messiah. You have crucified Jesus. You are guilty. And that's what Pilate is saying here. Pilate washes his hands in that bowl of water. And he says, I'm innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death. We and our children. That's crazy talk. They just pronounced a curse on themselves and their children. 
And so Pilate released Barabbas to them, and he ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, and then he turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. This flogging wouldn't be love taps. These Roman soldiers were well-trained on how to use their whips, and they absolutely got joy out of beating a prisoner. In fact, many times a prisoner would die just from this flogging. Now, here's the thing. Under Jewish law, they wouldn't go, they wouldn't even get close to 40. They, they would go up to 39, but they would stop at 39 to make sure they didn't go over 40 because they would, uh, they would be breaking God's law and sinning. And so they would stop at 39 lashings. But this is the Roman soldiers. They didn't care about Jewish law. So there's no telling how many times and how hard Jesus was flogged. And every time that, that he was this whip with these lead, uh, lead tips, they would dig into his flesh and just rip his back off, the flesh off his back. And people would die just from this flogging. They were well trained on how to use these, these whips. And they absolutely took joy. And we see that on how they treated Jesus when they were beating Jesus. Um, Matthew says this, Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. Y'all come out and see this. Watch what happens. They're making a spectacle out of it. And so they stripped Jesus, who is the king of the Jews, right? That's the sign that Pilate's going to have nailed to the cross. So they're going to take this guy who claims to be a king. They strip him and they put a scarlet robe on him. And they wove thorn branches into a crown, and they they put it on his head. They jam it into his skull is what they did. These big, huge thorns. And they would dig into Jesus' head. Very painful. And you know when you cut your head, the, how you bleed just crazy. They place a reed in Jesus' right hand as a scepter, and then they knelt before him in mockery, and they taunted, Hell, King of the Jews. The Romans hated the Jews, hated them with a passion. And here's a man, think about it, here's a man who claims to be their king, and now he's in the hands of these Roman soldiers, and he's being abused. And the whole time, Jesus does nothing to stop them. He just let it happen. And then the soldiers spit on him, and they grabbed the stick, and they struck him on the head with the stick. And when they were finally tired, that's the only way it stopped. They got tired. They got bored. They got tired of mocking him. They take the robe off of Jesus. They put his own clothes on him. And they're going to send him out to be crucified. Now we know from a prophecy in Isaiah 50 verse 6 that Jesus' beard, it doesn't say it here in Matthew. I don't think any of the gospels say this. But Isaiah 50 verse 6, there's a prophecy that says Jesus' beard would be ripped off his face. And the prophecy says this, I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. So Isaiah tells us in 52, uh, Isaiah chapter 52 verse 14, But many were amazed when they saw him. Talking about the Messiah, Jesus. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. That 
is how badly Jesus was beaten by those soldiers. You wouldn't even recognize that he was a man. His beard's been ripped off. You wouldn't know it was Jesus. And I personally think that's why Mary didn't recognize him when she was talking to him, thinking that he was the gardener. He still had his um, he still had his scars because he tells Thomas, he says, "Here's my hands. Put your you know here's the nail prints in my hands. Put your you touch them." He says, "Here's where the pierce the the sword pierced my side. Go ahead and, and touch my side." So if he had those scars, I'm sure he had the other scars. And I think that's why Mary didn't recognize who Jesus was until he called her by her name. He was so disfigured from the beating. Isaiah says you wouldn't even recognize him. You wouldn't even recognize that he was a man. So we're going to pick up in the next podcast with uh, the, 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 the rest of this chapter. Um, and we'll pick up with the crucifixion. But I want to remind you what Jesus says. In John 15, 12 through 13, he says, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. How did he love us? Well, he tells us. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. Friends, God loves you so much that he allowed his son to endure so much pain. We can't even fathom the pain that Jesus endured the torture that he went through. And he did it just for you and for me so that we can have our sins forgiven and then we can have a relationship with God all because of what Jesus has done. He paid the price for our sins by the shedding of his blood. He is our Passover lamb, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. That Passover lamb was perfect but yet was slain on our behalf, that our sins could be washed away and that we could be made friends again with God because sin separated us from God. Now Jesus, through his death and through the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross, he has brought us together. If we confess him as our Lord and Savior, make him our Lord and Savior, and we're baptized in water for the remission of our sins, for the forgiveness of our sins, and we have a relationship with God all because of what Jesus has done for us. He, he, he took where we have been separated from God and our sin, our sins have been washed away if we make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And we have a relationship with God and we can be in heaven with God the Father, with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit for eternity. Do you know Jesus today? If you don't, please contact me at the information given at the end of this podcast. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grounded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember... Keep grinding.